0: Hey, it's me, Sam. This is my podcast. Thanks so much. Really right out the gate. (laughs) Thank you for listening and sorry that I continually have interruptions in my recording. I literally have read reviews, not of, not so much of my podcast because nobody leaves any reviews, but of other people's that are like, the content was great, but the sound quality was terrible. I'm like, that's pretty much mine every single time. I don't care. I'm not worried about it. Uh, yeah, so thanks for listening, and it's Wednesday. As my 12-year-old says all the time, it's Wednesday, it's, what does he say? It's Wednesday, my dudes understand it. Even when it's not Wednesday, he constantly says that. Does anybody else have an 11, 12 year old that just gets obsessed with saying the same things over and over and over again? It makes me insane. Uh, and I just flat out tell him, just tell him it's not funny. You need to stop. I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to help you socially to not drive people crazy. But what I don't know is maybe it is funny to the kids his age. I don't really know what's going on. I'm just trying to help him. <laughs> Maybe he's killing it at school when it comes to being funny. I don't know. Um anyway, it's Wednesday my dudes. I recorded last week. I think last week was one of the first weeks that I've ever um since I started this that I've let a full week pass and didn't record anything. I or didn't post anything. I did record something, but I'm going to be honest with you I did not have a free second to even... I I don't even do any editing. That's how bad it was. I didn't even have the time to post it. (laughs) It's it's terrible. I hosted Thanksgiving last week and I killed it. No, no, not really. I just cleaned my house up a little bit. Put a ham in a roaster. That was pretty much it. But here's what I was going to say. I was just going to get past on this tidbit because I've, I've realized this before and it came to fruition um, again this time around. I think I mentioned I actually offered to host Thanksgiving because my house is a lot more accommodating when it comes to kids. I obviously I have my own kids, so when it comes to like toys and space and all of those things my home is a lot more accommodating than maybe my aunt and uncle's house who has a stairway to death right in the middle of their living room to their their basement (laughs) so I offered because I wanted to be able to enjoy the day and not like keep my kids from falling down the stairs or not them not have anything to do and so they're driving me crazy because they're bored and and then everybody else is losing their minds because the kids kids will be bored for like a minute and then they will come up with something to do and it's guaranteed to be something that's going to drive you nuts. So, you're better off to just make sure that you have things to keep them entertained because when they start coming up with their own stuff, yeah, it's I mean, I don't care. Like do what you want to do. But when you're in somebody else's house, like my aunt and uncle's house who have obviously have no small children, and then kids start coming up with games, like chasing games and tack. You know what I mean. Like, yeah, my, my aunt and uncle and my parents were losing their minds also because they can't they can't deal. So I offered because I also have outside space. And I kind of hoped that the weather would be a little bit warmer. And it was. So we really hardly saw the kids. They played outside, like, a lot of the day. So anyway... Here's what I was going to say. This is just a little life hack slash lazy hack slash uh, get your crap together. Here's how to do it. <laughs> if you are looking continuously at like things in your home that need to be done or organizational projects or just repairs, whatever, cleaning projects, and it's just like... I'll get to it when I get to it, or it's not really a priority, but it bugs you because you just see it every day, but then you know you can't get to it, whatever. If that is your situation, and you want to do something to really motivate you to get those projects done, host a giant party. (laughs) Plan a date, you know, give yourself a month or so, and... Plan to have a bunch of random people in your house. Now, my people were not random, they're all my family, but still, I had, you know, like my foyer, for example. I had my foyer used to be wallpapered, I had all the wallpaper stripped, I had all the repairs done on any holes. You know, my kids love to just slam through a door and just bust a a doorknob straight through the plaster over over and over and over again. So, I had all those repairs done. I had the walls completely repainted, which meant that for weeks, the couch was in the middle of the room with a sheet over, with like a plastic sheet over, and everything else was just a mess, just covered up and unorganized. You know, I had pictures. The foyer also has my stairway. I had all the pictures from the stairway piled up on the couch. You know, just not... And because I work full-time and have four kids and other responsibilities, like... Just wasn't a priority, it wasn't a part of our house that we really live in very much, and it wasn't something that I really had the time to get to. But I was slowly like those types of projects, I do get to them, but they just take forever. I just was slowly chipping away with chipping away at it as I had time. Well, fast forward to hosting Thanksgiving oh, yeah, that kicked me into gear, it about killed me. I stayed up till one two o'clock in the morning almost every night last week doing stuff but my house is on point now like every room is organized I got rid of a desk I got rid of some other furniture I kind of cleared a lot of space try to make it a little bit more open if there was things I didn't need or things that were just taking up space I got rid of a right rid of them um yeah just tried to kind of simplify the organizational system that I had going through a lot of stuff away I mean I had papers like research papers and and college papers from my undergrad I'm talking like 16 years ago undergrad why why do I need that crap It had to go I threw a lot of stuff away I donated a lot of stuff and I feel really good about it. It's nice for it to be done, and it's nice to like walk through. This is all the first floor now. The second floor is still a freaking mess, but the first floor is done. You know how like your house will be. I mean, if some of you have an open floor plan, you're just screwed. I don't. All of my house is built in the 1900s, so all of my rooms have like pocket. Like every room has multiple doors. Every room can be completely closed off from the rooms around it with pocket doors. So, I pretty well, like, if I have a caseworker or something coming over, I just shut the doors. Or if I don't want to look at it myself, I just shut the doors and I don't look at it. But now, I mean, I can leave the doors open and everything's organized and clean. And it was clean before, but you know how it's just like you don't use a room, so just junk gets piled up in there. You don't really, like, live in your foyer, so you don't really give a lot of effort to getting it cleaned up and organized, but anyway, went to Hobby Lobby, bought some stuff, decorated even, I mean, just being an adult, just doing adult stuff, <laughs> sure, I've been in my house for uh, almost nine years, yeah, eight years, almost eight years. It's almost decorated. It's almost unpacked. We're getting there. It's still a mess. Um, So, yeah, it was, it was really good. I was glad to have that motivation, I should say. You know, that was part of the reason, honestly, that was another reason why I offered to host it. Because I kind of know, like my personality, I need a timeline. I need a deadline to get things done. Or I'm just going to find something else that I think is more important to do if I don't want to do it. But knowing that I was going to have people there, like I knew that I needed to get those spaces put together and organized and, um, yeah. So the other thing was when it came time to clean up all of the fall decorations, I was like, well, let's go, let's go ahead and just get the Christmas decorations out while I'm up in this godforsaken attic. It's, which also the attic is terrible. It needs to be gone through and organized and it's a mess. And uh, it was really easy. I just carried everything down. And everything was already clean and organized downstairs. So, I just set up the decorations. Carried on. It was nice. And then the other bonus is uh, I had been pretty well hosting, like, birthday parties. And having birthday parties either at other locations or at my church even. They have a big gym and things at the church. But now... I mean, that the house is, my house is pretty well put together, at least the first floor. I have every intentions of hosting the baby's birthday party at the house. Like, if I don't have to go anywhere, that's a win for everybody. Um, so, yeah, his birthday's coming up December 17th. Do you think that I've sent out invitations or and or even picked a day or time to have this party? Uh, no. It's the week before Christmas, It sucks as bad as my oldest son's birthday does the week of Thanksgiving. I mean, there's just no, I feel bad. I still feel bad for Charlie because he really, I mean, he got a lot of great stuff. And I did definitely like go above and beyond and made sure he had a lot of really nice stuff because there's no doing a birthday party the week of Thanksgiving. And I just told him. He chose to get, he chose again this year to get the King's Island Gold Pass. So that was fine. Like I chose, I, I, I appreciate him being willing to sacrifice a birthday party (laughs) for Thanksgiving. Uh, but yeah, the baby, like his birthday is a week before Christmas. Like, what are you going to do? I don't, I don't even know. So probably should work on getting that together considering it's about to be December 1st in just a few days. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, anyway, so that's a tip. That's a life hack. If you need to get your butt in gear, have some people over. I remember when we first moved into our house, the first summer that we were there, we had a giant cookout. And that was another thing that, like, really, really motivated us to get outside and, like, get things organized, get things cleaned up, get things put away. And, you know, so... It's effective. It is effective. Having people come into your home will motivate you to clean it up uh, and get it get it together. So try it. Try it and let me know how it goes. Uh, other than that, I'm trying to think what else has been going on. I haven't really been sleeping. Uh, my kids have decided to just stay sick just for the rest of the winter. They just are digging their heels in. They're like, we refuse to be healthy. Like, leave us alone. <laughs> We will be sick until May. Like, just get over it. You're not going to be going to work consistently. You're going to be missing a lot of work. You're probably going to get fired. And uh, if you have a problem with it, too bad. The My daughter yesterday, she's done this a couple of other times. And, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about it because part of me is like, I don't want her to be afraid that she's going to get in trouble if she tells somebody that she doesn't feel good. And then what if she actually is sick and she doesn't tell anybody and then I look like a jerk. But yesterday, was that was not the case. Yesterday, she was just, I don't know what, needed attention, needed time, needed something. Because the school calls me, tells me that she has a stomach ache and a headache. I talked to her... She's crying, and I basically tell the nurse, like, she doesn't have a fever, I, she's done this before, I think she's fine, she's fine to lay there for a little while, give her some water, send her back to class, basically. I get a call a half hour later, this woman says... I've tried all of my tactics and she still is not really motivating to go back to class. And I wanted to say to her, have you tried the tactic where you look a seven year old in the face and tell her to suck it up buttercup and get her tail back to class? Cause that's my tactic. But instead I said, I'll be there in a few minutes to pick her up. And I did. Because what are you gonna do? It's like I can't just I can't say to her, uh, sorry. I can't come. I'm trying to work. She's fine. Like, she doesn't have a fever. She's fine. She needs to go to class. I can't say that because then next thing you know, I'm neglectful. They're calling children's services. But I'm going to tell you when I picked her up, she never once complained of her stomach hurting the entire time that I had her. She never once complained of her head hurting. Actually, she was in a great mood. And she ate her dinner and she played and she was perfectly fine all day evening long. So yeah, I don't know what to do. I basically told her that if um, she had a stomach ache or she had a headache in the future, that unless she had a fever I would not be coming to pick her up and so she would just need to work through it and plan on being back in the class. I hate to be that way but sometimes that child just she just tries to ride the attention train and I don't know if that's just the way that she does it she did it once in preschool I think she's done it she's done it in kindergarten too but one time in preschool she did the exact same thing she was screaming crying I was like an hour away and so a friend of mine went and picked her up and my friend called her and she called me and she was like yeah she stopped crying before we even got in the car (laughs) I'm like oh this child She's 100% my most difficult child. I'm not even... I mean, I'm not saying that, like, to be mean to her or to be hateful. She just is a difficult child. And I can't even... I mean, she's been through hell. So, I'm, I'm not trying to hold it against her, but... She's sweet. I'm crazy about her. I love her so much, but she is very challenging. She's very challenging to me in particular because she is so much different than me. And we just, I mean, if we make it through, if we make it through into adulthood, woo! We heard a commercial today on the radio of Will Smith, and I didn't know this. I didn't know that he had been married before Jada. Pinkett Smith, I think is her name, but I guess he'd been married once before, and he has a son, I think, who's, I I gather, is an adult, and um, he was doing an interview, Will Smith was doing an interview, and he said uh, that his son had told him that, he was like, you know what, Dad, like, you're not just my dad, but I'm pretty sure you're my best friend, and Will Smith was, like, choked up and was real, like, you know... Proud and blah, blah, blah. And I guess they'd had like a rough relationship as he got older. I don't know how old he is. Anyway, so Clara says, she was like, is that a good thing? Like, is it good that he's his best friend? And I said, yeah. I said, that's how it works. Like, you're going to hate me all through your t- your preteen and teen years. Like, you're going to want to strangle me. And then in your 20-ish years, mid-20s, maybe into your 30s, we're going to start being best friends. That's just how it goes, <laughs> sister. She was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I can, I can, I understand. That. Uh, I don't know. I think your parents become your best friend because you know that they can't leave. Like they cannot get away from you. They're stuck. Like if I talk to a actual friend, Not nasty, but I mean just the way that I talk to my mom and the things that I tell my mom. I don't think anybody else would really stick around. But she can't go anywhere. She's stuck. Like, she can't leave me. She's biologically connected to me for the rest of her life. Get over it. Um, What is this contraption? Some giant building going on up here. Anyway, so... This week i talked about this, I think, I talked about this not too long ago, like at the end of the school year, about teachers just being extra. This week, my daughter is the lucky duck. Guess what that means? Okay, and I, and I said this before, like, I'm not a jerk. I'm not a killjoy. I, I'm not a terrible person. Like, I want my kids to not have any fun. <clears throat> I'm just tired, okay? Okay. <laughs> i'm just really wore out i'm really overwhelmed i got a lot going on and so when this kind of stuff pops up i'm like are you freaking kidding me right now something else she's the lucky duck this week this is what something that her teacher does every week one kid gets to be the lucky duck And she sends them home with this duffel bag with the duck printed on it. And they get to bring things in to share with the class. But they also get to do basically anything else that you want to do. There's no parameters. There's no, like, suggestions of what you can do. There's nothing. So, thankfully, there's been some other kids that have gone ahead of her. So, she had a decent idea on what she wanted to do. Which means that yesterday, I took in the, the younger two, the babies, and she introduced her siblings to the class because she's the lucky duck. Today, I took in two dozen donuts and a gallon of milk and some cups because she wanted to share donuts with her class because she's the lucky duck. I don't know. It's a good thing. It makes a kid feel very special for the week that they are, you know, the lucky duck. It just is very unlucky for their parents. (laughs) It's very unlucky for whoever's responsible for making this uh, lucky duck week happen. Uh, But, yeah, we're doing it. Tomorrow, I'm going in and I'm reading a book to the class. I don't know what book. She's got to pick one out because I can't pick. And I don't know what we're doing on Friday. I don't know what she wants to do. So, yeah, Claire's a lucky duck. Charlie turned 12. I already talked about that. Got kind of screwed out of having a a big birthday party. We did go over to my parents and eat cake. And uh, my mom made chicken and dumplings, so that was delicious. I, okay... It's a good time for me to segue into uh, discussing how I continue to be a failure at weight loss. (laughs) It's just a reoccurring theme in my, the past 20 years of my life. Um, So, I had done, I was doing really well. I had lost like 16 pounds. Pretty good. Not bad. So, on two weeks ago, on, or I guess a week and a half ago, on Friday, I was down at that point 16 pounds felt great I went into the weekend and normally I'm not gonna lie when the weekend comes I just kind of say screw it and I fall apart and I don't stick to what I need to eat and I just do whatever I want Um, and then Monday you know I'll pick it back up which on this diet is not a good plan because essentially if you fall apart on the weekend your chances are of chances of gaining back what you've lost through the week are inevitable Basically. So you're just kind of yo-yoing the same three pounds, four pounds up and down every other day or every week. Well, that weekend, not this past weekend, the one before, a week and a half ago, I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to, I feel good. I don't have any desire to not stick with it. And so I'm not going to, I'm going to stick with it. And I did. I didn't eat like the chicken salad croissants at the women's lunch on Saturday I didn't have any delicious homemade gourmet cheesecake, cookies and cream. Oreo. Oreo cheesecake. Like, top five favorite foods. I didn't have any. I didn't do it. I ate a salad. It was a good salad. It a seven layer or whatever. But, you know, and then Sunday, I don't even know. I just felt like I made really good choices and I really didn't eat, like, anything that I felt like I shouldn't eat. I didn't track my carbs or calories. I thought <clears throat> I'm gonna give myself a break from that. I wake up Monday morning, I'm up five pounds. What? How like how? How could I gain five pounds in two days? Like that's the level of crazy that my body is at. It's so confusing. So I'm not gonna lie, I got very discouraged, very frustrated And I didn't fall apart completely last week, but I definitely did not stick to, like, strict like I had been. Like, when Tuesday night rolled around and it was my son's birthday and my mom made chicken and dumplings and bought a delicious birthday cake for him, you better believe I ate both of them. Because I was like, I am not going to have another scenario where I exclude myself from eating this food that I love and is delicious. Only for what? For what? Only to find out that I'm going to I've gained 5 pounds. I'm sure I looked at it. I guess that's what caused me to gain the weight. I don't know. Like I said, I've been trying to lose weight for 20 years, so who knows? Who knows? I can't figure it out. It's just terrible. So yeah, I didn't uh, you know, and then Thanksgiving came and I did okay. I didn't eat too much. I ate some pie. And then the weekend, you know, I was exhausted from Thanksgiving, and so I didn't do great all weekend, but I'm back on it. I'm back on it starting Monday of this week. It's Wednesday right now, and I feel very hungry, which I hadn't been really before, so I don't know if it's just taking a while for my body to kind of get readjusted, but... Feel very like I want to eat everything, <laughs> so it's taking a little bit more willpower than I uh, would would like to be giving. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. I don't know. I'm not getting on the scale anymore because that was a really unfortunate situation. I was kind of on a roll, and then that's that, that weigh-in totally derailed me. So I'm not doing it. I'm not getting on the scale. Like I might weigh myself once a month, if if anything. I'm going to try to stick to it as much as possible. I'm going to keep track on how my clothes feel. But, I mean, I'm not going to be weighing myself um, every day like I had been. Because I'm convinced, like, if I wouldn't have weighed myself that morning, I was feeling so confident coming off of the weekend and doing so well that I would have stuck with it last week. But seeing that five-pound gain on Monday morning, I was like, screw this crap. Like... (laughs) You tell me I didn't eat cookies and cream, gourmet cheesecake, only to turn around and still gain five pounds? Get out of here. I'm eating I'm eating everything. Yeah, so I don't know. Do what you need to do, whatever works best for you. Sometimes for me, I think that having the accountability of the scale helps. I think that sometimes it motivates me when like I do see that I'm going down. But then on the flip side, like I said, when it goes up, then I just feel defeated and I give up. So I don't know. I've read it both ways. I've read it to where some some people recommend to weigh yourself daily so that you do have that accountability. I've read where some people say don't weigh yourself at all. Throw your scale in the trash because it's not, you know, it's not based on the number on your health. I'm not really concerned about the number. I just want to feel like... I'm being rewarded for my efforts. Like, I don't want to be putting this effort into <laughs> losing this weight only to have zero payoff. That's what it is for me. Um, I don't really care what the number says. I just want to see something. I want to see some action, some downward motion. So, uh, but that's where I'm at with that. I'm still, I'm, I'm still moving forward, you know, 20 years worth of trying to do this Um, my goal is just to be healthy my my mom you know she's just trying to be supportive and and helpful but she said last night because I was complaining to her about uh, this whole deal and she was like is it possible that this is just you need to just accept that this is the size that God wants you to be and I was like uh no No, actually, it's not possible because I believe that God created us and God gave us a body to take care of and to be as healthy as we possibly can. And I know I'm not healthy at this weight. So no, no, I don't think that God is looking at me and saying like, you need to um, love your body self love, self care, you know, don't worry about the weight. Well, I don't think that like I created you this way. <laughs> well, you know, I don't believe that. I honestly I do not because I don't believe that being overweight um, is healthy and and I believe that God created us to to be healthy. I mean, being underweight isn't healthy either. Some there's some people who are a perfect weight and still aren't healthy. I'm not trying to be a certain size, I'm not trying to be a certain weight, I am just trying to be healthy, and like I said, I know for me and my personal self, that being this way is not healthy, so, that's that, um, let me do some work, let me think about what else I'm going to talk about, and then I'll be right back, All right, I'm back, (laughs) even though I know you don't feel, feel those pauses. Uh, working, 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 and working. I, uh, I had kind of held off on seeing most of my um, patients for my second job until this week. I don't know why. I just didn't really motivate at any point in the month to see any of them. And so, yeah, I've been doing a lot of work with that job. And then I also have a ton of work with my full-time job. So... I'm just working hard for the monies, for the schmoney. Okay, so today I want to talk about, I'm going to title this podcast, I've already thought about it, and I I I don't really know how to really get into it, and I'm sure I'm probably going to end up rambling a lot, and then I may end up just deleting it and saying no, too much rambling, but I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to stay on task here. (laughs) I'm going to title this episode, Why I Married the Same Man Twice. And so I'm going to explain that. And, uh, you know, it's obviously it's kind of a a play on words. I didn't technically marry the same man two times. But essentially I did. My uh, So let me just describe what I mean here. My first husband um, was... And I'm, I'm guessing probably still is very controlling, very, um, just demanding as far as the expectations that he had for me to be the type of person and to be, um, to present myself. I'm sure I probably just really scared my last two patients. I just realized I'm still wearing my hospice badge. (laughs) I got to watch that. I'm still wearing my hospice badge for the past two patients that I saw that were not hospice patients. (laughs) My bad. Neither one of them said anything, so I guess they didn't pay attention. Anyway, um, this is what happens when you jump between two jobs during the day, like a crazy person. Anyway, so my first husband, like I mentioned, very controlling, very just demanded. Demanded that I dress a certain way. Demanded that I basically acted a certain way, demanded that I listen to a certain type of music, that I spent my money in a certain way, that I ate certain things, uh, very controlling and had expectations for me to be at a standard and, and as a person that, you know, where he expected for me to be. The first time that he hit me, it was because he was angry that I wasn't praying correctly. He had a, uh, a template, basically, on how he wanted us to pray together, and I didn't really feel comfortable with the way um, he was suggesting. I definitely think that couples praying together is an excellent thing, but in that moment, um, I just wasn't really comfortable with the way that he was proposing that we go about doing that, and so... He was not happy with the fact that I disagreed with him, and so then that's when, um, the first time, you know, that's when that played out. He, um, spent a lot of time... What? Oh my gosh, this dumb map. He spent a lot of time just, like, basically stalking, like, stalking my email, stalking my phone... My finances, my family, you know, just checking in, just really. Um, in feet, turn I started noticing. I started noticing that emails that I had looked at were deleted. I started noticing that he would be talking about something and it wouldn't have been something that I had told him. And then I realized this is something that he knows about because he's read about it in an email that I sent to one of my friends. Um, so anyway, that's, that was kind of our whole, I mean, we were married, um, in, in January. And, and then we were, um, I left and moved away from him really quickly within four months of us being married. I became pregnant, basically, we had no intentions of waiting to have children, and so I became pregnant, like, literally, probably on our honeymoon, (laughs) if not, uh, you know, within the first month or so, so I was pregnant, and I knew that, um, I knew that it was not going to be good physically and health-wise for me to continue to live with him, and he was escalating. We were part of a church. We were planting a church, actually, in a Hispanic church in partnership with an American church, and the pastor and staff of that American church was absolutely not supportive to me at all. They, um, were very supportive of him and very supportive of making sure that he was okay and making sure that he was taken care of and then, um, basically condemned me for leaving, for not, um, continuing to stay married to him. I had, we had a, um, a few of the pastors that came to our home and, essentially said that I needed to just get over it and that I needed to just trust that he would stop. And meanwhile, in the meantime, all along, he never did stop. It continued to escalate. It continued to, to go on. So, so that was his personality. Um, and why did I marry someone with that personality? I'm going to tell you why, because I did not, have any confidence in the person that I was. I had zero confidence to believe that there would ever be any possibility of anyone in the world being interested in being in a relationship with me. And so, and I kind of had, uh, a, a little bit of evidence to support that. I had never dated anyone through high, th- well, until my last year of high school. And then that, ended fairly quickly. I had really not dated anyone through college. And so when this person came along and showed interest and pursued me, in my mind, it was now or never. Um, I had no confidence that God would bring someone into my life who was an actual and who actually was someone who was the right person for me and was someone that, you know, that God had ordained for me to be with. Um, I just latched on and, and felt like if I don't put myself into this relationship and commit 100% There will not be any other opportunities down the road. And like I said, I kind of had some evidence to support that because there hadn't been anything prior. But what a really crappy mentality to have. Like just because there hasn't been anything in the past, surely God is never going to provide anything in the future. I mean that is the issue and that's where I fell in to that relationship and that essentially marriage Is I believe because I didn't trust God. I didn't trust God to do something. Because I hadn't seen him do it yet. And so my faith was very weak. And my faith was was very much lacking in the fact that I hadn't seen any relationships happen. And so why would I ever trust that there may be one that would happen in the future. So when I married him... I honestly felt pretty confident. I felt very confident and and really believed for the most part that it was the right thing for me to be doing and that God had brought him into my life. What I will say is there was a part of me that had a lot of questions because... Why had he told a lot of the people in his life that he was determined to marry a white woman? That seemed a little strange. Why was he determined after we got married to very quickly and right away pursue all of his immigration paperwork, which would allow for him to stay in the United States forever, um, regardless of what happened with us? Um, Why was I getting information from other people in his life, I basically had a lot of people that warned me. A lot of people who came to me and said, hey, just as a heads up, he's not really who he's portraying to be. Hey, as a heads up, these are things that we've heard him say. These are things that we've seen him do. And so I didn't listen. I didn't... Take any of those things to heart or really even pursue clarifying or talking to him about them because I was so insecure that I had myself convinced that if I confront him about these things, if I ask these questions, he may end this relationship. And then what? And then I'm, I don't know how old I was at that time, I'm 22. And God forbid at 22 years old, i be single when all everyone around me was beginning relationships and serious relationships and getting married. And I had to be on that track. I just the other day told my son, he was asking me about marriage and, and what I thought and when, Amy's he's 12. So I don't know really know why he was even thinking about this, but I told him, I said, you know, Nobody really talked to me about this, but I said, what I want to tell you to think about is when you meet someone and you feel like that you want to start your life with that person and you want to be married to them, and let's say you're in your early 20s, I meet with patients on a regular basis that are in their 80s, sometimes 90s. So if you're in your early twenties and you're dating someone and you're pursuing a relationship with someone and you feel like you potentially want to marry that person, I want you to sit back and think what what difference would it make if we waited for let's say another year and see how we felt then when potentially we may be married for the next seventy years of our life. Seventy years. People are living very long. People are living for long, a long, long time these days. And so, if you're in your 20s, there's no rush. There's nothing that says that you can't get into your 30s and get married. Look, get, get married in your 30s and you still could potentially be married to that person for 60 years. So, I didn't have anybody telling me these things. And would I have even listened? Probably not. You know, I and, and I I've joked with my mom. I've like, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you talk me out of it? And, you know, what she says is and which has been true for me for the most of my life is that I do what I want to do. And there's no telling me and there's no convincing me any any way different. And that's pretty well true. So that's why I married him. I, I didn't have any confidence in God that there would be anything else and I felt like I really have to take advantage of this opportunity because there were a lot of perks for me. I always prayed and I wanted to be in full-time ministry. And I really believed that God had called me into full-time ministry. I really prayed and believed that I wanted to be a pastor's wife. And that that was a, a ministry for me that I really, really felt like I was called into. Um and so for me, there were a lot of things that were, um, you know, really seemed like would be beneficial and, and that fell fell into line with things that I believed that God had called called me into and that were were things that I believed were supposed to be a part of my life. So then, why then did I turn around four years later and essentially marry the exact same man? Let me describe him in comparison to my first husband. Um, not controlling in, in, in the, in, in it, well, I should say this, controlling in a different way. Controlling in a way that was very passive aggressive and also very aggressive, <laughs> if that's a thing. Um, controlling in that he didn't necessarily care what I would wear but he would make nasty comments if he felt like I was wearing something that he didn't think I should be wearing. Um, I have a orange sweater and it's terrible. Like I'll be the first to admit, but I wore it one time and he was sure to make a comment that I looked like a giant pumpkin. Um, I have a brown, like a khaki colored, I'm just not very fashionable, I guess, is what it comes down to, and so, and apparently he felt like he was, and he um, made a point of pointing out any time that I wasn't living up to some fashion standard that he felt like I should be, and so I have, I remember I have this khaki turtleneck, and he would make a comment about how, why didn't I take better care of myself, or why didn't I care more about what I look like, and here I was wearing this poop colored shirt and why didn't I try harder and blah, blah, blah. I just didn't know what to do. I just didn't know, like, I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but (laughs) because it's terrible and it's mean. So that's what I mean. Like, it wasn't that he demanded that I wear certain things, but it was, he would try to control my behavior with his comments and the things that he would say. He would try to control my behavior in the home by, again, criticizing and making comments about anything and everything that I did. Anytime that I cooked something, anytime that I cleaned something, anytime that I parented, anything that I did, he had an issue with it and he would be sure to critically point out um, that I hadn't done something, you know, up to his standard, or I hadn't done something the way his mom would do it, or the way he would do it, or that it was correctly. So, I, again, I don't know how to explain it. It was controlling, but it wasn't like a checklist that he had. It was just a passive aggressive way that he would critically kind of try to mold me into being the person that he felt like I should be. Um, now, I will say. He was never, he never put his hands onto me, but he was a very physically aggressive person. He would, he was also an alcoholic. So that was a whole other dynamic that I actually did not experience with my first marriage, but with my second marriage, um, That was another factor that played into that situation. So physically, he would kick things. He would throw things. He would um, just be very physically aggressive with his body during arguments. And so that level of fear and anxiety that I carried over for my first marriage um, continued to play out into my second marriage. I just want to say, too, as a side note... And I know people don't want to hear this because there's this big mentality of, like, you're innocent. And there's nothing that you could have done that would ever cause you to deserve to be physically or emotionally abused in the way that you were. Um, and, and I hear that. But I do want to say there were definitely things that I did wrong. There were definitely things that I contributed to both relationships that led to both relationships ending. Were the men that I married, should I have been married to them? No, absolutely not. But, um, I contributed to, in things that I did wrong in my behavior to both, in both marriages. So, just want to put that out there as a, as a side note, because I don't ever want to ever make it out like I was Miss Innocent, and these men were just monsters that I married, and then I continued to be innocent, and they continued to be monsters, and then it was over. Um, so, why did I marry a man the second time who was essentially had a, a lot of the same characteristics as my first husband? And I'm going to tell you, (laughs) I'm going to explain it to you because it's pretty much the same explanation. I got to a point in my life with my son at the time, my oldest son, who is biologically um, my first husband's child. I got to the point in his life to where I felt an overwhelming sense of desperation. And I had committed to myself that I did not want for there to be a period in his life that he remembered have not having a father. And so I knew from my child development classes and things like that, that typically children's first memories, when they're into it into, as an adult, their first memories are around three to four years old, maybe five. And so I had it in my head that I had to be in a relationship, and be remarried by the time Charlie was three, four, or five years old. And so here he was um, pushing three, and I had yet to even go on a date. I had yet to be in any type of relationship. I had yet to have any type of... Interaction with anyone that even resemble. I was a single parent. All I did was work and parent. I didn't have any uh, contact really with anyone else other than the people that I worked with and my child and my family. So, um, so when um this. An opportunity came along where a friend of mine that I went to church with actually said to me, Hey, I was going to give your number to a guy that my husband works with, but I didn't think you'd want to be set up. I literally was like already writing my number down. I mean, she had my number, but I was already saying to her like interrupting her and saying, "No, no, no. Give him my number. Like I don't know who this guy is. I don't really care, but no, no, give him my number. Tell him to call me. I I want to pursue this." We went on our first date the week before Thanksgiving and we were married in March. That's for that's not even it wasn't even the end of March. It was the beginning of March. So that's three months. That's, that's the level of panic (laughs) that I was experiencing of, I need to be remarried. My son needs a father. I need to, um, get settled into a family so that I can grow up with my husband and my child and then have this picture perfect family. And so again, again, fell into the same mindset of why of not trusting God to do something because he hadn't done it yet. And so I was in this mindset of God has not provided a father for my son yet. His biological father lives in another continent, so that's not on the table for him to be involved. And so, because he hasn't provided a father for my child yet, I'm going to take the reins and I'm going to make sure that he has a father. And so, that's what I did. And it was a train wreck. It was a train wreck in reality from day one. And I'm going to talk about our relationship more and how there was, I had no business ever marrying him. But um, yeah, so three months, three months of knowing someone and ended up getting remarried to him. Um, there were a lot of things in that relationship that I was glaringly, aware of that were not good, that were really, really huge red flags that I knew I needed to clue into, and I just didn't. I just... (laughs) Buried my head in the sand and just hoped and prayed for the best. The main thing that I'm still really, really disgusted with myself for not being more confident is if even if I didn't trust that God would bring someone into my life that was the right person. I, I'm i disgusted with myself that I didn't at least acknowledge the fact that God would not have ever led me into relationship with someone who was not a Christian. And in the situation with my second husband, he absolutely had zero relationship with God, did not go to church, did not read his Bible, did not have any type of a faith as part of his life at all. I was actively involved in my church. I actually at the time was scheduled to go on a missions trip to Mexico at the same time that we decided to get married and canceled that trip. So I was actively pursuing my faith. And so why didn't I clue in to say... I know God. I know the picture that God has for marriage in, in the Christian faith. So why would I ever think that this would be something that God would bring into my life when he, this man is not a Christian? And so again, I'm sure at some point I knew, I knew that, um, I knew that it was, that he was not, I knew that it was not going to play out well for, for us to be married and him not be a Christian. But again, pursued it, pursued it hard, pursued it quick. And, and then as you know, I'm divorced a second time, fell apart. So, okay. So I'm coming up on an hour here. Let me, uh, cut to the chase and explain why I even felt necessary to share this information and to just pass on this experience in my life. The reason I wanted to, to share this is because I want to, um, a, a couple of things. I just want to challenge anyone who is younger and listens, kind of what I told my son, um, that... Let me just be the first person to tell you, if not, hopefully a lot of people in your life tell you this, that divorce is devastating. It's also very expensive. That's a side note. But it's devastating. It's tragic. It's especially devastating when there are children involved. Just to give you a glimpse, every other weekend, I have to take my daughter, which is one out of my four children... And drop her off to her father who then leaves and I have no contact with her until the, the following, the, uh, two days later basically. This is a child who I've never been away from. She never, she spent the night at my parents house. You know I went to Haiti and she stayed with my parents for a couple of days while I was there. But other than that, um this is the longest that she stayed away from me. Uh, And and it's not just that she's away from me. It's the fact that she's with someone who I don't particularly um, feel like is a great influence in her life. I don't particularly agree with his lifestyle or his morals or values. And so I have to put my seven-year-old daughter into the hands of a person who I don't think is really a great person. And I, if I had the choice I wouldn't allow for her to be around um, a person if if you gave me a a checklist of his life and said hey would you like for your child to spend the weekend with this person I would absolutely say no thank you sir (laughs) Um, and so but I have to. I have to because a judge says that I have to. Because it's a court order that says you have to allow for this, the other parent to have parenting time with this child. And so every other weekend, I'm left in a position of I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do anything fun because then I'm not doing it with her. And then when she comes home and she asks me what I did over the weekend, she's upset because she missed out on doing things with her family. I don't want to, I also don't want to have my other children miss out on two weekends out of the month where I'm just moping around. So I'm trying to really, this just started. Um, I'm just really trying to figure out how myself to handle it. You know, I go to bed and I walk by her room and it's empty and it's it's terrible and it sucks. And it makes me just, my heart aches and I, I don't like it. It's just bad. So let me just be the first person to say, if you haven't heard it before, divorce sucks. It's terrible. It's terrible, period. And it's also even just more and more terrible with children. And so, because of that, let me just encourage you 100% to, as you maybe are considering pursuing a relationship, pursuing engagement, pursuing marriage to really truly 100% with confidence be able to say this is the person that God has for my life this is why I know that it's right these are the people who I've talked to who I can listen to and who will really speak wisdom into my life nobody talked to me Um, Other than people who were naysayers in my first marriage. Nobody came alongside of me who I trusted with wisdom and said to me, what about this? Nobody asked me any questions, I should say. Nobody said, what about this? What about these things? What about these red flags that we've seen from the outside? Um, With my second marriage, 100%, nobody said anything to me. No one asked me about his faith. No one asked me about his relationship with God. No one asked me about our faith together. No one asked me, um, I didn't have anyone to men- that was mentoring me and I didn't have anyone who was discipling me or I didn't have anyone who was willing to come alongside of me and ask some hard questions that I should have been asking myself, but I wasn't willing to. And so that's kind of where I'm going. If you can't really confront yourself with hard questions about your relationship because you are concerned that it may end up ending the relationship. You're concerned that maybe there will never be anyone else for you in your life. Please, please, please allow for someone else to ask you those questions and allow for someone else to be forceful and demand that you really truly evaluate every aspect of your relationship. Remember what I said earlier, 70 years potentially 70 years. So if you lay that out and you're in a marriage, can you honestly can say to yourself <coughs> based on what I know, I can see myself confidently being in a relationship with this person for the next 70 years. And if not, if you have any reservations, any doubts, any, anything that's holding you back, just wait, just wait. My second husband is a, well, I don't want to call him names, but like I said, he's not the greatest person in the world. But one thing that he told his oldest son that, I really feel like is a good piece of wisdom is that he got engaged really quickly after he got out of high school. And my um and so his dad, my second husband, ex-husband, said to him, Y'all are so very young. What's the rush? Wait a year. Wait a year. And if you still feel this urgency and this love and this overwhelming desire to be married to each other, then pursue it. But what difference is it going to make to wait a year if you're going to potentially be married to the person for sixty to the next 60 to 70 years of your life? So that's my first tip for any of the young folks that are listening. My second tip for any of the old folks, and by old I mean basically 35 and older, middle aged I should say. And even old, if there's anybody old that listens, would be if you see a younger woman or a younger man even that is starting a relationship, pursuing a relationship, engaged, married, and you have any type of relationship with that person, whether it's somebody you go to church with or a cousin in your family or anything like that. Take the time and be, be that person who asks the hard questions. Be that person who goes to the younger person in your life and says, Hey, um, tell me about what your boyfriend has been learning in the Bible. Because that should be a conversation. If you're, if you're a Christian and you're marrying a converse, Christian, that should be a conversation that you're having on a regular basis. And so then if your younger cousin looks at you and says... I have no idea. Then there's something that, you know, you can encourage them. Hey, um, do you know if he reads his Bible? Do you know if he prays? Do you know anything about his faith? Tell me about what you know about his faith and really start to i don't mean to say plant seeds of doubt or to be a Debbie downer in every marriage and every relationship but here's the statistics people 50% of marriages end in divorce i mentioned this before the county the county where my second husband and i got divorced the county statistics there are actually 60% so they win the prize they're even higher So we got to ask these questions. We got to try to preserve families and we got to try to shut them down if they're not supposed to be together because these kids are really being affected by divorce. And it's just not a good look. It's not a good look for the kids. It's not a good look for the parents. And it's just not what God wants for marriage. It's not right. I know it's not right. I've done it twice. I know that it's wrong. I know that I made wrong choices. I know that I pursued relationships in both of my marriages that I should not have pursued. I know. And I take responsibility for my part. And I've repented of that, and I've begged for forgiveness for that, and someday I'll answer for those choices that I made. But I really, really, really would have loved if someone would have... I wouldn't have loved it. Let me scratch that. I probably would have been angry and offended and defensive, (laughs) but I wish that somebody would have been bold enough to come to me and say, hey, um, I've never heard you talk about Eric going to church. Like, do you, um, does he go to church anywhere or have y'all ever gone to church together? Where did you meet him? You know, tell me about his faith and, and what are y'all planning to do? Like, are you planning on going to church at where you've been going or no one asked me those questions. No one talked to me about anything that mattered when it came to my relationship, I think a lot of people were um, happy and were excited that I had met someone that seemingly from the outside seemed like a a good fit and a good match for me and would be a father to my son or so I thought would be a father to my son. Um, So the last point that I just want to say and I'm past an hour and you know I can't edit anything so it's just going to be what it is. But the last thing that I would want to say, whether you're young and you haven't gotten married, or you have been married and you're old and you're divorced and you're in my situation, is that now, am I desperate to get remarried? Absolutely not. No. I really have zero intentions of ever getting remarried. However, do I believe that God could bring someone into my life and that it could maybe actually be the correct person (laughs) third time's a charm am I right um yeah sure I'm not I'm not I'm not so shut down to to God doing something that would be wonderful however however and this is what I want to say Do not allow for yourself to pursue something as serious as marriage if you are at a point in your life that you're not emotionally and spiritually healthy. Here's why. When I met my second husband, I had never really dealt emotionally with the things that happened to me in my first marriage. And so not only did he come into the marriage with a lot of baggage and a lot of just... Bad qualities and bad traits. I also came into the marriage with a lot of baggage and with a lot of unrealistic expectations and with a lot of expectations that, as a person who wasn't a Christian, he would never be able to meet. And so that just right out the gate created a lot of angst, anxiety, anger, frustration, all of those things. And so, again, I'm just going to say it for the people in the back. (laughs) Marriage is so so very serious and so very difficult for some for two individuals who are healthy who are emotionally and spiritually and physically I mean physically you know do what you can do but I mean emotionally and spiritually healthy it's difficult so if you haven't done the work on yourself please don't bring your crap into a relationship and expect that you're going to be able to do the work while also trying to build a relationship. Can you acknowledge that you need to do the work while you're in a relationship? Yeah, probably, but it'll be difficult because managing both a relationship and working on yourself is going to be a really hard thing to do. But regardless, do the work on yourself get help, see a therapist, please see a therapist. I like I've said this before, I recommend for anybody and everybody to talk to someone, to talk to a therapist, to talk to a counselor, and to really, really work through so that when you present yourself to a person who could potentially be your future spouse, you are the healthiest and best version of yourself. And so you kind of set yourself up for success by being in a position of being spiritually healthy and physically and emotionally healthy, rather than trying to make a relationship work and you're a mess I can say and I'm saying it with confidence that's exactly what I tried to do with my second marriage and look where I'm at (laughs) so now I mean Well, can God restore and and revive a marriage even if two people get married and they are a mess? Absolutely. I don't want to come across as saying, unless you follow these steps, your marriage will fail. I know plenty of people who did not follow these steps and their marriages are still going strong. Well, they're going. I don't know about strong. What I'm saying is, don't put yourself through the heartache. Don't put yourself through the devastation and the frustration of years of fighting and years of anger and years of hurt. Come come at it young, if you come at it young, or come at it middle-aged, if you're trying again, and set yourself up by taking care of yourself to be as successful as possible and by going into it and knowing that, God, you don't have to do it yourself. You don't have to make it work yourself. If you believe in God and you believe in His power and His sovereignty and the direction that He can have in your life, He will do it. He will do it if he wants to do it, and he will guide your life, Um, and you don't have to take over. You don't have to do it yourself, so I don't know if any of that's going to make any sense. I'm about to listen to it (laughs) to see if it does. That's just where I'm coming from. This topic has been like in my brain for weeks, and I didn't really know how to hash it out. I kind of wrote out some notes on an outline of how the things that I wanted to touch on, But I hope that it uh, played out to where it actually will make sense. But that's where I'm coming from. That's what I've been thinking about. And that's what I wanted to pass on to you. If you have any questions, you can send me an email anytime. If you're starting a relationship, if you're engaged, if you're about to get married. Here's the other thing. And and this is like just a little bonus note. (laughs) When I was getting married, when I was about to get married to my first husband... And I had a lot of anxiety and really felt like this might end up being tragic. Um, I did not call off or cancel the wedding out of just sheer embarrassment and sheer just, I just knew that it would be tragic and devastating for all involved if I didn't follow through with doing what I said I was going to do, which was marry this man. Let me just tell you something. It is much more embarrassing and tragic and devastating to call off a marriage than it is to call off a wedding. (laughs) Let me say it again. Calling off a marriage is much more tragic than calling off a wedding. So if you need to call off the wedding, do it. Do it and save yourself, save your potential children, save your family the devastation of watching you get married and then watching it fall apart and watching you get divorced. So that's just a little bonus tip there. Um, yeah, if you have any questions, if there's anything that I can help with, if I can give you any insight into the things, the other things that I experienced, feel free to email me anytime. It's.me.sam.podcast at gmail.com. You can catch up with me on Instagram at that same handle. It's.me.sam.podcast and uh, that's pretty much it. I hope y'all enjoy the rest of your day or your day. I don't know when I'll end up getting this posted because I do need to listen to the whole thing and make sure that it makes any amount of sense. But, uh, yeah, enjoy your day. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to y'all the next time. Bye.